0: Great to have you all here in this room. Welcome to those of you watching online. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church, and it is really, really good to see you all here this morning. Um, I wanted to let you know it's it's been about 23 weeks since we um, closed down um, the church doors because of COVID, and uh, we started to open back up and uh, had to register. People have to register when they come, and this is the first Sunday. For both the 9 o'clock service and the 10.30 service were both full when it came to registering. So I'm super excited about that. You can clap for that. Seriously, you can, all right? Because I'm excited about that. And you know what? There is coming a day when we're going to have more seats in here, and you're not going to have to register, all right? You can clap for that, too. That's, that's going to be a good day, all right? Um, I'm excited for that. But, uh, uh, you know, we uh, are continuing our series. This is actually the last week of a four-week series that we've called, Can We Trust the Scriptures? And so far throughout this series, uh, we've learned that our God speaks. Our God speaks to us. That's incredible. The God of the universe speaks to you. He speaks to me. We learned that in the first chapter of the Bible, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, 10 times it says, and I quote, God said, God said, God said. Ten different times it says, God said. So we learn from the very beginning that God speaks and he speaks to us. He speaks to you, he speaks to me. God reveals himself through words. And you know, our God has gone to great lengths to make himself known to you and I. He not only revealed himself to us through words, but he also chose to come from heaven to live amongst us here at, here at earth. And he chose to wrap himself in human flesh. He came in the form of Jesus Christ to make himself known to us. He wants you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. The God of the universe. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died a very brutal death, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he uh, came to life and, uh, Um, He ascended back up into heaven. And then God went to even greater lengths to reveal himself to us by sending the Holy Spirit into our lives. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwells our lives. He comes to make home, to make residence inside our lives. So he speaks to us through his word. He came to walk in our shoes, and he sends his Holy Spirit to indwell us. It's truly incredible. We also learn throughout this series that this book called The Holy Bible, which means a holy book, was written by human authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. So you could, you could say it this way. The Holy Spirit was um, controlling the pens of the human authors as they wrote this book. The human authors included kings, Philosophers, fishermen, scholars, statesmen, poets, a doctor, even common everyday people contributed to the writings of Scripture. The Bible includes a ton of amazing detail. It includes genealogies, family trees, travel journals, population statistics, legal documents, Archaeological specifications, incredible historical detail, and even inventories of different kingdoms' wealth is contained in the pages of the scriptures. Now, before I continue on any further this morning, I do have to give you a little bit of a heads up. If you hear some crazy noise going on, It's because the kids downstairs are having a wonderful time, okay? They're having a glow party this morning, and so they're wearing, uh, they got some black lights down there, and they're wearing clothes that glow in the dark, and I think we should have a glow party upstairs, all right? Who's with me? All right? Glow party, all right? Do I have a witness? All right, glow party coming to a service
1: near you soon, okay? Okay, man, I'm jealous of the kids sometimes, I have to be honest, all right? We learned that over
0: 40 different authors contributed to the writings of Scripture over a time period of 1,600 years, and they were on three different continents. And yet the Bible fits together perfectly. It's truly miraculous. It's truly amazing. And let me remind you, they couldn't conspire with each other. They couldn't talk to each other. They didn't have email and texting and social media They didn't have phones like we do today, and yet the Bible fits together perfectly. Last week, we learned that when you compare the Bible to other ancient documents, the Bible wins hands down when it comes to reliability, when it comes to accuracy. And today, we're going to dive into why there's so many different translations. All right, maybe you've gone through the process, maybe you haven't, maybe you've said, I want to buy a Bible. And you can't really walk into very many bookstores today because they don't really exist too, too often nowadays. But maybe you go online and you want to purchase a Bible and there's just so many different translations to choose from. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about why there's so many different translations. And we're also going to talk about whether or not the Bible contains contradictions or errors. And I want to start by sharing a story with you. I, I've told you many times before that my wife, Tricia and I, we've made it a practice. We've, we've tried our best to make it a habit in our life to spend time in God's word, to read the scriptures. And so every morning we get up and we spend time in God's word. We spend time reading the scriptures and uh, we really uh, try to spend time praying together, spending time in prayer, because we believe a family that prays together stays together. So we try to practice this and A few years back, my wife and I we decided to read through the Gospels. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as we were reading through the Gospels, we we came to a a section in the Gospels. And in Matthew, we, we read that Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I remember when Jesus was betrayed, Judas came and kissed him on the cheek and betrayed Jesus. And we read that story. And then we went to the next gospel and we read that Jesus was betrayed on the mount of olives and then we got to yet another gospel and we read that Jesus was betrayed
1: by the brook of cedron and we were like oh my gosh like this amazing
0: couple in this little town of Bayfield all right emphasis on amazing in this little town of Bayfield
1: we just we just discovered a contradiction in the scriptures. My gosh,
0: like people have been studying the scriptures forever, but we just discovered an error. I mean, which was it gospel writers? Was it the Mount of Olives? Was it the Brook of Cedron? Or was it the Garden of Gethsemane? I mean, make up your mind. We didn't discover a contradiction. All right. Just to let you know, we decided to dig into this a little bit further and to find out what was going on and Sure enough, as we dug in and studied it out, we came to realize this wasn't a contradiction at all. In fact, the gospel writers were all talking about the same place, the same setting, from three different perspectives. We came to learn that the Brook of Cedron, the little creek called Cedron, runs through the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane, is on the Mount of Olives. Three different perspectives about the same place. It would be like, you know, a, a police officer going to an intersection where there had just been a, a fender bender. You know, there's a, a, a car accident that happened and this police officer goes and he gets eyewitness accounts and maybe he gets five or six different stories, but it doesn't mean that they're all lying. It just means that they saw it from different angles. They, they saw it from a different perspective. That's the same way the gospel stories are. They're telling the same story, but from four different lenses, four different perspectives. So to answer the question, does the Bible contain errors or does the Bible contain contradictions? The short answer is no, it doesn't. We believe that all of the Bible, all that the Bible teaches is truth from God. Every word, all of the words are God-breathed, God-inspired. Whether it's about earth, whether it's about heaven or humans, whether the scriptures are talking about God himself, moral commands, promises that were made, anything else.
1: It's all true. It's all true. You see, the the reality is, is God does not lie.
0: This is such an amazing truth for us to hold on to. This is why at Grace Church, we're we're always going to point you to Jesus Christ. We're not going to point you to a man. We're not going to point you to an individual or to a person. We're always going to point you to Jesus because God does not lie. In Hebrews chapter 6, In verse 18, it says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Impossible. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, This is the truth that gives us confidence that we have eternal life. We can have great confidence in God because he doesn't lie to us. It says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Now imagine this, God making a promise. God, the the creator of the universe, making an oath making a promise to you and I. We can have great confidence in eternal life because God has promised that to us. I know that this life is not the end because God has promised that to me. Because of my faith in Jesus Christ, when I die, I will live again. And that is a promise
1: that I will trust every day of the week. The reality is, we who study the scriptures we're imperfect. We who study the scriptures, we, we make mistakes on our interpretation. We can make mis-
0: mistakes on, on how we apply the scriptures. So if there appears to be a contradiction in the scripture, we should dig a little bit deeper. Because the error or the, the, the mistake was probably on our part. Just like Trisha and I learned about the betrayal of Jesus, there was no contradiction at all. It was talking about the same place. I want to take a pause just for a minute. I want to remind us about why we're
1: talking about this. Why are we talking about the scriptures? Why are we talking about different translations? Why are we talking about whether or
0: not there's errors in the scripture? The reason why we're talking about this is because our church has had some baggage when it comes to this very topic. In the past, we had some people that got hyper-focused on a certain translation of Scripture. And instead of focusing on Jesus, instead of helping people to focus on Jesus, they were um, instructing people to focus on a translation of Scripture. And it caused division in our church. And so I'm taking a moment to remind us that we can't get distracted on what I would refer to as the non-essentials. We have to stay focused on the essential, and that is Jesus Christ. The non-essentials can be so distracting and get us to focus to the left or to the right, but we need to stay focused on the essential. I say it this way, with the non-essentials, we need to have liberty. We're going to have differing opinions and different views, and that's okay. But we need to have unity on the essential. And I can summarize the essential with one word, and that's Jesus. We need to stay focused on Jesus. So our church has had some baggage. Our our, our church has had some experiences in the past where people got focused on the wrong things. And we've had people get focused on Calvinism, and they got hyper-focused on that. That's all they could think about. That's all they could talk about. We got people that got hyper focused on the end times and the tribulation. We got people that were focused on, and you know, are we going to be taken out of the earth, you know, uh, pre tribulation? Are we going to be taken out mid tribulation? Are we going to be taken out post tribulation? And they got so hyper focused on this and they were arguing amongst themselves and they were losing sight of what's most important, and that's Jesus Christ. And the crazy thing is, when it comes to the tribulation, they're only going to be apart
1: like seven years. I mean, come on, what's the big deal, you know? Let's not get focused on the wrong things. So we're talking about this because I want to remind you, the church, to stay focused on the essential. The vision of our church is imperfect people leveraging everything for those who are far from Jesus. Imperfect people, leveraging everything for those who are far from Jesus. Let's not get distracted. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let me give you a few examples of the Bible's
0: amazing accuracy. All right? Um, My goal is to just uh, get you excited about the Word of God. Um, Let me give you a few examples of the amazing accuracy of the Scriptures. The transliteration, which means like the... um, when, when it gives reference to kings of the past, names of foreign kings in the Old Testament, it gives some history in the Old Testament. When you compare the history of, of the scriptures to non-biblical records, okay, books that were outside the Bible that are writing about the same history, the Bible is accurate in every detail in 36 instances of comparison. It's a total of 183 syllables. So every time it talks about a foreign king or a foreign kingdom in the history, it is always accurate. It was never wrong. This kingdom always existed. This king um, existed. It was always accurate. It's truly remarkable. How about, how about this example? The Bible tells a story about a city of Jericho. Maybe you've heard the story of Jericho, but the city back in back in the biblical history, cities had big walls around them, because that's how they would defend themselves from the enemy. And the Bible tells us that um, God led the children of Israel to march around the walls of Jericho, and God caused the walls of Jericho to come crashing down. Some of you that grew up in children's church, you might have a song or two that uh, you can sing about the walls of Jericho. But long story short, God caused the walls of Jericho to come crashing down, and it came down in a truly miraculous fashion. So now we're, we're many years removed from that historical event. Some archaeologists went in and said, let's, let's try to discover this city of Jericho. And to their best discovery, they, they discovered Jericho and where it existed. And they said that Jericho was uninhabited, which means it was destroyed or nobody lived there from about 1600 B.C. to, to about 1200 B.C. Now, the problem is the Bible says that the walls came tumbling down about 1440 B.C. So that means the Bible was saying it was right in the middle of when archaeologists said
1: no one lived there. So this would be a problem. This would be a biblical error. Later, excavations were done in a different part of the site. They kept digging.
0: And a thick layer of ash containing grain was discovered, and they decided to date this ash. And uh, it was a burn site, you could say. And they used three different methods to date their discovery, and they showed a burn date. You're not going to believe this. Seriously, I don't know if you're really
1: going to believe this. They showed a burn date of 1440 B.C. My point is, the Bible is right, archaeologists can be wrong. The first two chapters of the Bible they contain the record of the creation of the universe including the earth
0: and its inhabitants. Now now catch this try to try to wrap your heart and your mind around this although the first two chapters of Genesis were written 35 centuries ago there is not a single syllable in the account of Genesis that is at odds with any demonstrable fact of science. Now, now understand this. Those of you that are in school, when you have a book on astronomy or you study a book on earth science, those books are changed all the time. A, a, A book on astronomy or earth science that was penned 50 years ago is already obsolete because of the new discoveries in science and the things that they're learning. I mean, science textbooks come and go. But yet, the scriptures written
1: 35 centuries ago are holding strong and just lasting forever and ever. Genesis, this simple yet magnificent couple ch- chapters is when it comes to the facts,
0: it's flawless. It's perfect. Here's another amazing fact. right? you guys with me? Shake your heads if you're with me, all right? All right, trying not to bore you here. I'm trying to get you excited about the word of God, but another amazing fact is in the book of Acts, the historian Luke, he mentions 32 different countries. He talks about 54 different cities, and he talks about nine different Mediterranean islands. He gives a lot of detail about geography. And there's not a single mistake in any of his references. When, whenever the Bible says, and they traveled down to Jerusalem, even directional
1: information such as that is accurate. It's truly amazing. What about medical knowledge?
0: The Bible gives references to medical knowledge, and you would think with the advancement in the medical field that they would be able to find some flaws in the Scripture, yet the medical knowledge that's given in the Scripture is accurate and true. It's accurate and
1: reliable. The Bible is truly an amazing book, but here's what I want to do. Let's let's compare the Holy
0: Bible Scriptures to other holy books. (laughs) Let's get real for just a moment okay? There's some other holy books out there that say They too are written under the inspiration of God And either they are or they're
1: not Let's talk about it for just a moment Let's talk about the religion of Islam Religion
0: of Islam, for example, claims that the Quran is inspired by God but the Quran is full of flaws. Let me just give you one example. There's an explanation in the Quran about how,
1: um, how a baby's developed, fetal development. When you read the description about fetal development, it's nowhere even close to accurate to how a baby is truly It's a flaw. Let's talk about the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, too, was said to be written under the inspiration of God,
0: said to be infallible, said to be uh, under the inspiration of God, given to Joseph Smith by an angel of the Lord. Now, let me just say this before we talk about the Book of Mormon for just a moment. Another reason why the Scripture is so amazing in comparison to even other holy books, is because it was written by many authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and yet it fits together perfectly. Other holy books were written by one individual who claimed to be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but one individual make up some crazy stuff.
1: But when you have multiple people and it's still fitting together, I like that. I like that. The Book of Mormon, is a man is talked about by the name of Nephi. It said that Nephi used a compass to find his direction in the 6th century B.C. But the problem was, is the compass wasn't even invented till about a thousand years after that. things that were spoken of that didn't even exist, flaws. So just to be clear, many holes have been poked in other holy books. A lot of flaws. But the Holy Bible continues to change lives all
0: over the world. And even with the advancement of technology and archaeology and science and medicine, The Bible
1: is still the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. All right? Justin, why are there so many translations? Let's talk about that
0: for just a moment. Some people might say, where do I even begin when I want to decide on picking a translation? I I want you to to hear a little bit from my dad. My dad, uh, his name's Bob Ross, not the painter, all right, but the real Bob Ross, all right? He actually pastored here at Grace Church for 33 years. He's been in ministry over 50 years, and uh, he's going to talk to you just a little bit
1: about uh, translations, right? Watch this video. Hello, my name is Bob Ross. I pastored Grace Church for... 33 years Been in the ministry
2: for 50 And I want to just share with you Briefly My journey in Meaning with different Translations of the Bible I was brought up and Taught uh, And preached from The King James Bible I was taught and I Taught myself that It is the only inspired word of God Uh, so I want to just share with you a few thoughts about different translations I know that it's a a touchy area for a lot of people and I'm sure I'll be damned if I do damned if I don't you know you're going to find some people like it others are going to hate it I was a very strong proponent of the King James Bible being the only uh, Bible that Christians should use, when I began to see uh, a pride, uh, uh, sort of a a religious uh, feeling from preachers around the King James, and and they started becoming very boastful about uh, how they feel about the King James, and I was beginning to be bothered by the spirit lot of my peers and uh, a lot of the preachers I've looked up to my whole life, in uh, the way they were uh, speaking in regards to the King James. And I heard one preacher, a man who I love dearly, make this statement. He said, if you made a profession of faith in a service where somebody used a translation different in the King James, you are not saved. And he based that upon this verse. Um, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And of course, if the King James Bible is the only word of God, um, there would be some truth to what that man said possibly. But I was just blown away with that statement. I don't agree with it at all. I've seen people saved in King James' preached services and uh, wound up living like the devil. And I've seen people saved in services where other translations were used. And, boy, they're producing fruit of the Spirit and winning others to Jesus Christ. Other translations can give us a different perspective of some of the words that are translated. Uh, different uh, uh, views of, of, of spiritual teachings uh, can be clarified through other translations. As I was looking at different things in the King James Bible, I found that uh, I have a liberty to use other translations to help clarify uh, verses that I'll be preaching or teaching on. Um, there's a lot of uh, translations out there. Some are translations, some are paraphrases. Take the Amplified Bible I really like the Amplified Bible But it's not a translation It's a paraphrase So you need to be real careful with it But boy, it, it really does Give some great explanation Of, of some of the verses uh, That the paraphrase deals with So I would just encourage you Not to become a worshiper Of the Word of God uh, Jesus is the living word. He's the one we need to worship. He's the one we need to magnify. And it's not our place to, to lift up a translation as if it were Jesus himself. God doesn't want us to worship the written word that we call a Bible. He wants us to worship the living word, Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to have a little bit of liberty uh, with somebody using a translation different than yourself. And if you're like me, you like the King James, stick with it. I do. When I preach, I'll preach out of the King James. But I will give references to other scriptures and quote uh, scriptures out of other translations. So I
1: hope maybe this will help uh, maybe see through the muddy waters just a little bit. God bless your heart. I like that guy. <laughs> That's you know, it's important to know that the Bible has been translated many times throughout history.
0: And the, and the purpose was so that people could read the Bible in their own language. And I want you to know that Bible translation is happening even today. The Bible is still being translated so people can read God's Word in their own language. There's Christian organizations such as Wycliffe and Gideons, and some of you on, on your phones, you might use the YouVersion Bible app. And, and these organizations are translating Scripture so that people can read God's Word in their own language. There's people like Martin Luther and John Wycliffe. These are just two men who risked their lives to translate the Bible into German and into English. You got to remember, we're in a spiritual war and the enemy doesn't want people to know God's word. William Tyndale, he was another man. He was charged with heresy and condemned to death because he translated the Bible into English. So that you and I can read the Bible today. William Tyndale, according to Fox's Book of uh, Martyrs, he was tied at the stake, he was strangled by the hangman, and afterwards his body was consumed with fire. He died simply because he wanted people to read the Bible. I think it's important for us to understand this. When we open up this book, just to kind of have in the back of your mind, there have been people that have given their lives so that you can read these pages. Listen, there's nothing wrong with there being multiple versions of the Bible in a language. In fact, multiple versions of of the Bible can actually be an aid in understanding the message of the Bible, just like my dad talked about on the video. But we need to understand God's Word. We need to be in God's Word. The Scripture actually says, if you were to be visited by an angel, and this angel was to speak something to you that was contrary to the Word of God, you should not believe the angel, you should believe the word of God. The reality is, is the enemy
1: has angels that will speak to people. And it's not from God. And the only way we protect
0: ourselves, the only way we keep ourselves focused on the right path is to stay focused
1: on Jesus and to be in his word. At least part of the Bible has been translated into at least
0: 2,454 languages, and dozens of English Bible translations are actively used today. And just very quickly, I want to give you three different types of Bibles. So if you're looking to purchase a Bible, you're looking to study and to kind of dive in, I want you to understand the differences between Bible translations. And so quickly, I'm going to try to give you some helps here. Um, but number one, there's word-for-word translations. So if you're going to do like an in-depth study into God's word and you're really going to dive in, I would highly recommend you get a word-for-word Bible, a word-for-word translation. Um, uh, The King James Version is a word-for-word translation. You have the English Standard Version, the ESV. You have the American Standard Version, the ASV. And then you have the New King James Version. These are all really good word-for-word translations. So if you're going to dive in, do an in-depth study, I would highly recommend one of those translations. Number two, you have thought-for-thought translations. Now, these translations, they're they're trying to seek the best modern cultural equivalent that will have the same effect as the original message. So it's trying to help people just understand the thought behind the story of what's going on. And some of the best thought-for-thought translations are the New Living Translation. You'll notice I use the New Living Translation on Sunday mornings, and I've done this on purpose because, once again, my target, my goal is to speak to people who are not really churchy, to speak to people who don't have a lot of church background, and I want them to get excited about the things of God. I want them to understand the thought behind what's going on in the Scriptures, and I want them to get into God's Word for themselves. That's why I use it. Another one is the New International Version. The NIV is a thought-for-thought thought translation. Then you have the CEV, which is Contemporary English Version. And then number three, you have paraphrased translations. Now, the emphasis on these translations is, is readability, It's to help people. Um, they're easier to read. They're easier to understand. And once again, it's to help people just connect with the scriptures. And some good um, paraphrased translations are the message the Living Bible, and like my dad talked about in the video, the Amplified Bible. I want you to understand that every translation has strengths, it has weaknesses. I think a good student of the Bible should actually lean on multiple
1: translations. I think it's a wise thing to do. But the point is, I don't want people to be intimidated by this book.
0: I think a lot of people are like, man, where do I even begin? Where do I start? So I want to remind you of the 30-day challenge that I've been given throughout this series is to read a chapter a day in the Scriptures for 30 days. I encourage people to be in the book of Proverbs. It's the book of wisdom. And if there was ever a day where we needed wisdom, I would say today is a good day for a little wisdom, okay? But start in Proverbs and just read a chapter a day. Read a chapter and let God's word cleanse your mind. Let God's word cleanse
1: your soul. Open it up. Dive in. Hear from God. And in closing, I just, I want to remind us. I've said this in every message that I've preached throughout this series. Because I believe in it that much. But this book called the Holy Bible is a weapon. Scripture refers to itself as a sword. You can use a weapon to hurt people. You can use a weapon to cut people up. You can use a weapon to destroy, to cause harm and to inflict pain. Or you can use a weapon to defend. You can use a weapon to liberate You can use a weapon to bring hope and to fight against the darkness of this world. And so I ask you, how are you using this weapon? How are you using this weapon? I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I pray the name of Jesus, that we would use the scriptures for your
0: glory and for your good, and we would use the scriptures in a way that loves you well,
1: that honors you, and loves people well, takes care of people, defends people, helps to liberate people. Father, I want to pray for those this morning who are here that their
0: hearts are broken. God, I pray that you would um, bring peace, you would bring comfort,
1: and Lord, that they would look to you in your word for their hope and for their deliverance. God, thank you for this time. I just pray that you would take the words that are spoken, and Holy Spirit, you would do what you do, and you would bless, set people free. In Jesus' name, amen.